Welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. Hey, my sweet friends. Happy April. I am currently recording this on Thursday, April 1st. It is 11.05 a.m. Chicago time. Uh, and my seasonal allergies are popping <laughs> this morning. So if I'm sounding a little bit more nasally than I typically am, just just go with it. <laughs> hey, I was just going to ask you, too. Um, I have gotten this fancy microphone, and I've had this fancy microphone for maybe like a couple episodes now and I'm like man like nobody has told me that my nasally Chicago accent sounds better so does it sound better are you guys noticing are you noticing the the microphone um I just feel like I'm sounding a little bit more tranquil uh (laughs) maybe I should record a meditation or something I don't know also this is reminding me um, recently I had, <laughs> I had a client say that they thought I was a Southern Belle. <laughs> and I'm like, I know my accent is so weird, but not that Southern accents are weird. I, I, I think a Southern accent is really cute, but like, I, I know the way I talk is just so, I have a weird accent for sure. It's, it's because both my parents are, Um, have that midwestern accent and I have that like I have like a midwestern accent on steroids so that is that is why I speak the way I do all right let's move on from that um happy fool's day happy april 1st uh I'm really excited for this month's message to be honest um this month's message has been with me for uh Honestly, I think a couple months now. Like I've I've been hearing the word vessel for a long time and I kind of was checking in with the other monthly sermons January and February and March and I was like, "Are you vessel?" No, and January was like, "No." In February, I asked February. I was like, "Are you vessel?" And February was like, "No." <laughs> and I asked March and I was like, "Are you vessel?" And March said no. Um, But then April finally said yes, like said yes to exploring this word. So I'm really excited to kind of um, dive in here. Before we get to the monthly message, in case you are a new listener, because you might be, because Witch Church changed its name. So maybe you found me through Witch Church now. Um, I'm Mal. I'm a professional astrologer. I'm a tarot reader, tarot teacher, and Reiki practitioner. My April books are open if you've been wanting to try a session with me. And in April, I'm doing a, I'm running a special kind of thing. Like I have all of my usuals, like my, my astrology, tarot, Reiki stuff that you can book, but I also have some like spring cleaning kind of stuff um, because I'll say one of my clients did inspire this because she reached out to me and she was like, hey Mal, I feel like I need like a half and half, like I need like a half tarot, half Reiki. And we did that session and it seriously was like spring cleaning 
for the mind, body, spirit. It was so awesome. I felt great after that session. Um, as far as I know, my client felt great. <laughs> we all, we all, we all felt great. And I was like, oh man, I should like make this into an offering. So if you have felt like you need some spring cleaning for your for your mind body spirit i currently have that offering available in april it's an hour session and we just spend half the time with the tarot and then the second half with reiki and if you are unfamiliar with reiki or any type of energy healing there's a bunch of different ways more esoteric ways that i could explain reiki and i can in our session. Um, I can explain it a little bit more deeply, but just for the purpose of time, Reiki is awesome because it's like a fancy nap. You get to go and take a little fancy nap and, um, you know, relax, meditate, receive some good energy while I'm kind of clearing some old energetic baggage from your energetic body. So that's kind of what it is. If it sounds like something you wouldn't be into or like something you just can't wrap your mind around you know sometimes you gotta give it a try you know that's what I'll say I think we can't fully understand Reiki until we actually experience it and I find that to be true with a lot of different energy types of energy healings that um, I've experienced myself as well so that's a little bit about one of the spring cleaning sessions the other offering I have is more of an astrology offering. It's a spring forward astrology reading. So if you felt that's a little bit more for people who feel like they want to move forward, but they don't know how, and they're trying to get their ducks in a row, but they don't know what the next step is, we're going to take a look at your current transits and your current astro weather and kind of navigate like what is what is in the highest alignment or how in the highest alignment can you move forward with the astrological weather okay so i'm just as a practitioner i'm feeling really aligned this month and it makes sense because you know april it's springtime but this month as a practitioner i feel really aligned to just help people move forward in the best way that they, that they feel is best. Like, I don't want to tell you the way to move forward. I want to help you find your way forward, you know, in the best way for you, if, if that makes sense. So um, I'm excited. Uh, hopefully we can meet up this month via a session, re-meet if we've already met before, or meet for the first time if you've been wanting to work with me. Um and yeah, that's that's what I got in April. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that was the only thing I wanted to plug were were the sessions. Um, and okay, should we should we roll into the monthly sermon? I think we should. Again, for new listeners, um, my my OG listeners know this, but even though this sermon is titled the April 2021 sermon, um, you know, it's timeless. That's always my, that's always my intention that you can come to this sermon whenever you want, you know, or, um, you know, it'll, it'll resonate regardless of when you 
come to listen. Okay. Um, and let's do a little, I'm going to ring my bells here. So wherever you are, you know, just take this moment to just connect with your breath if you can. And I'm just going to invite our guides, ancestors, helping spirits, any gods or goddesses in the highest good of this sermon to enter the space. And I'll set the intention that the people who are listening will walk away with some sort of clarity. Um, yeah, some sort of clarity. Maybe for some it's big clarity, maybe for some it's smaller clarity, but we'll set that intention because I think clarity is always a is always a good intention. Okay. So what's interesting about the astrology of April? Actually, I don't know if this is particularly interesting um, or particularly unique, but Mars, Venus, and Mercury all shift into new signs in April. And I do find that significant because that means that if Mercury, Venus, and Mars, all three of those planets are shifting into new signs, um, new parts of all of our natal charts will be being highlighted in April, which is kind of nice. So if you felt like a little bit energetically stagnated or like you want to move forward, but you don't necessarily know how, I think that these planets shifting into these signs will at least reveal some new information to us this month. So I think that's really nice. Our first planet that moves is Mercury, and that is on April 4th. Mercury will move into Aries. This is juicy. I think this is juicy because for basically the entire month of March, and we talked about this a little bit last time, but for the entire month of March, Mercury was in Pisces, okay? Mercury's kind of crabby in Pisces because remember, what does Mercury want to do? Mercury wants to analyze, organize, um, Mercury kind of wants to discern and inform and collect information and here's the th- and communicate. Okay? So Mercury can't do the things that it wants to do in Pisces. You know, cuz Pisces is sort of the sign of the ethereal realm and Pisces is um, very much more about the big picture of the universe and our spirituality and our and our connection to God, right? So Mercury is quite a detail-oriented planet, right? So it's like Mercury's almost like, oh man, in Pisces, I can't get any of my shit done, right? So it's actually a big thing on April 4th when Mercury does move into Aries, because here's what happens. Mercury just changes their flavor in, in Aries profoundly. There's a profound change in flavor, okay? Because here's the thing. Mercury being the planet of our mind, 
in Aries, I think there is like such a profound mental reboot that we experience once Mercury moves into Aries. Because it's almost like Mercury's been swimming in the Piscean soup for a while, hasn't been able to really discern the correct way forward, okay? And when Mercury moves into Aries, which is the first sign of the zodiac, the beginning cardinal fire sign, there's this initiation of the mind. It's like the mind kind of snaps back into place or like the mind is ready to find what is right and what is aligned and what is true. Okay, so the one thing, even though we have this mental reboot um, with Mercury going into Aries on April 4th, One thing we want to be careful of when Mercury is in Aries is remembering that the things that we say during this time will be remembered. (laughs) Okay, so, um, you know, God, I hate hate to say this, but, um, you know, like, we all have that, like, thing as, like, you know, that one thing that, like, that bitchy teacher told us as a kid or something or, like, that, that one thing that an adult told us when we were kids and we like still remember it because it just kind of like stung um that can kind of be a little bit of that mercury and aries like we tend to say things that are maybe so blunt or on the abrasive side uh that we have to be careful of the way we may weaponize our words during this time and we might want to be mindful of choosing our words more carefully than we normally would with mercury and aries we really have to balance this um this impetus and this energy that we have to move forward this mind clearing energy it's like our minds are so cleared that um, like and we see the way forward maybe in a much clearer way than we had before um, that we might, you know, injure some people, you know, with our words who are getting in our way or we may we may just kind of fire off our words in um, a way that might be a little bit too blunt for some. So just keep that in mind when Mercury moves into Aries, right? And mid month, okay, and this is kind of gonna go with our with our vessel um, with our vessel message, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but I kind of felt called to just do a little astrological overview first. April 14th, mid-April, Venus moves into Taurus. Okay, so that's going to be really special because Venus loves to be in Taurus. And there's this like beautiful embodiment kind of happening April 14th and onwards. And there's this beautiful gift that Venus and Taurus has that has to do with our vessel and our physical body, okay? And I think we might be thinking about this the whole month. And I was thinking about the word vessel because um, I have found that this is a word that maybe floats around the spiritual 
writing, content creating community. Like I see a lot of people using the word vessel. Um, even the um, Wild Unknown Archetype stack by Kim Kranz, she has a card in there called the vessel. Like, and I've been thinking about this word has been, I've been thinking about the word it, for a long time. And I'm like, okay, you know, the v- vessel, when, when we use it in that spiritual context, we typically mean the physical body. But when we look vessel up in the dictionary, um, vessel, which is funny, I did be reminded of this. Vessel means a ship or a large boat, or at least that's one of the definitions of vessel, a ship or a large boat. But also another definition of vessel is a hollow container, especially one used to hold liquid, such as a bowl or cask. Okay, so we can kind of see like in an almost gross way (laughs) why the physical body is a vessel. Like we literally are like a meat suit, like the skin is the vessel holding together our our blood and our organs and all of that stuff. And um, so it's funny because, you know, in in spiritual content creating land, like we tend to use the word vessel in a very poetic, dreamy way, like, oh, like connect to the vessel of your body. Um, but, you know, the definition of vessel is, is kind of like, can be kind of gross. Like this is the thing that's like holding liquid <laughs> or this is a literal ship or boat, something that carries us across water. But I think it's kind of thought-provoking to think of the human body as a vessel, as a vehicle, as somewhere that can take us to new places. And I think this is so obvious that we often don't notice it, right? We often don't think about how if the body is a vessel or the body is a ship, you know, carrying us to different places. Again, it happens, it happens all the time. It happens every day. You know, we may use our quote unquote vessel to carry us to the grocery store, or we may use our vessel to get us out of bed and downstairs to make coffee, right? Like we're constantly navigating the vessel of our body, again, so much that sometimes we lose sight that our physical body is a vehicle to get us places, right? And this is why I think the word vessel was coming to me so strongly. I have this overwhelming feeling that So many of us, maybe myself included, and those of you who are attracted to the frequency of this podcast and are listening, I was thinking that so many of us have been like highly internal in the past year or so. You know, so many of us have focused our energy towards our internal landscape and I think that's what was aligned at the time right 
And I think that's always aligned, right? Like we always kind of have to be, um, I don't we don't have to, but I think if we're on the quote unquote spiritual path or we're on the quote unquote path of healing, there always has to be some sort of internal reflection happening, right? But I was getting the overwhelming feeling that this month in April, we're returning to the human body. We're returning to almost um, remembering that the human body is this ship that carries us places. And remember, it's it's not, um, you know, within the last year, with the... Um, the pandemonium with the panini press you know we've been in a panini press for a year right and i think a lot of us have maybe lost lost that uh (laughs) we've lost that um reminder that like the body can actually carry us places because some of us have literally been unable to go to a new location or travel or go to work or um, go places that we would normally go so again it would only make sense that you know for the last large chunk of time we've been very much marinating inside the ship right the ship has been very much tied to the pier or anchored down close to land and we've been inside the ship We've been like, you know, polishing the wheel and cleaning the floor of the ship and dusting and looking at all of the stuff that our ship is carrying and fixing patches of um, like holes that are letting in water. And we've just been really like repairing and renewing and focusing because we had the time and we were very much called to Let's park the ship. (laughs) Let's park the vessel close to land. Let's stop and let's repair, rest, renew, and restore. So let me, let me ask you this. Let me, let me say this. If we've been called to do that for a really long time, you know as well as me that the mind really likes to get used to stuff, right? And as much as all of us are sick of the pandemonium or whatever, like who isn't, I guess maybe this is me as a highly sensitive person, but I've gotten like so used to having my ship, quote unquote, like I've been, I've been so used to having my ship, you know, anchored really close to the shore. And this past year I've become so focused on like, cleaning the ship and in like with all of my internal stuff that I've been doing and spending time internally and you know working on you know making the ship as as stable as possible that um I feel like I'm almost um hesitant now to pull the anchor back up and and go out again to sea (laughs) Um, like, because it, it, it's scary, right? Um, if we've gotten so used to um, examining our internal world for a good amount of time, it might be 
uh, a little bit triggering or scary or even we may have trepidation about really believing that like it is time to like pull the anchor up and 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 use the physical vessel to actually move somewhere different right and there is such a return to the body thinking of the body as this thing that moves us around right and i think that's really beautiful and it goes along with venus moving into taurus on april 14th taurus being kind of the sign that talks about um the pleasures of like the material and how our bodies can kind of contain both the worst and the best experiences, right? We experience everything that we will inside the body. Taurus reminds us that there is literally nothing we can do without the body first, right? Like if you want to run a mile, you better hydrate and eat an appropriate amount of calories first, right? You can't just do that after not eating or drinking water for a couple days, right? Like, and that's just a really, that's just a really basic example. Like, but there is really literally nothing um, that we can do on earth without our physical bodies, right? Like, again, it's so obvious that we often overlook this and we often take our physical bodies for granted. But there's this huge opportunity in April to return to the physical body for a couple reasons. We're returning to gratitude for the physical body just simply, just because, you know. We're returning to the awareness of how much the vessel of our bodies can actually offer us. Um, and I think sometimes if you're, if you're, especially if you're a trauma survivor of some sort, you know, big T or little t trauma, doesn't matter. All trauma survivors, I think, have a hard time really living in the body for obvious reasons, Right? Um, so for someone with trauma or for someone who's working through trauma to find ways to reconnect with the physical body, it's honestly like, I mean, this is a really serious word to be using, but it's honestly revolutionary. It's, it's revolutionary. It's life changing. It's paradigm shifting when the person with trauma can figure out a safe and enjoyable, even fun way to reconnect with the physical body. It is healing, right? And that's that's Venus and Taurus. That's really what Venus and Taurus, I think, is is speaking to this month in a lot of ways. And, you know, the second reason I think why connecting to the physical body is so important going back to this idea is like we literally can't do anything we literally can't do anything without the physical body so if we're trying to 
manifest quote unquote x y and z or we have a specific goal in mind or we have a a desire that we are pointing our arrow towards um our the monkey mind right or the lizard mind the first thing the lizard mind does is it'll start saying, okay, you got to do this and this and this, and you got to call this person and you got to organize this. And this has to happen by this date. And, um, these are the details that we're going to have to focus on. Um, okay. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I do it too. It's fair. Um, however, um, there's a huge message this month about tending to the physical vessel before anything else and it's kind of a mind fuck like in a way because the monkey slash lizard mind the ego mind you know has such like this strict um agenda right like we get so attached to the agenda of like what we need to do to make this or that happen And if we don't do it exactly like this, then it probably won't happen and, like, all of that stuff, right? What if the thing that you are trying to bring in, let's just say in general, abundance, you know, in whatever form. Whatever abundance you are trying to call into your life, it's just kind of a mindfuck to think that um, you could potentially call that abundance in like in a profoundly easier, more enjoyable way if the vessel and the body is, you know, feeling good, right? Like, because <laughs> the mind will be like, no, 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 no. Don't eat. Don't break to pee. <laughs> don't, don't, you don't have time to drink water. You don't have time to go for that walk. Um, you know, at least this is my, this is my internal dialogue. So I don't want to project that onto you, but you know, maybe you can, you can relate to something along these lines. And, you know, just for our, our monthly dose of, um, you know, bringing up why the capitalist agenda is fucked up. I mean, this is kind of what capitalism does to our, this is how capitalism conditions us, right? In order to get something, we have to be hyper focused on the details. We have to like, do all this X, Y, Z, uh, this this like um hurdle jumping bootstrap pulling bullshit you know to like to get all the shit that we need right um this month i can't i can't um emphasize it mo- enough this month um there is this profound feeling that the way to go about the goal or the manifestation or the desire or the way to call in more abundance is to simply tend to the physical vessel. It's like, um, uh, like it's like, uh, spirit is showing me this picture of, um, someone waiting for an email. I don't know if what kind of email they're waiting for. Um, but, they're they're kind of waiting for this email is this one of you i is this someone who's listening i don't know um someone's waiting for an important email and they're like getting up every single morning and like checking their 
um, computer and they're like they're just not seeing it and they're like spending their whole day like revolved around this one email that they're trying to get and they do this for like a week and it still isn't coming so finally there's like this like thing that snaps inside of them and they're like all right tomorrow I'm done like I'm not I'm not gonna check my email tomorrow and they like put their laptop screen down or they shut off their laptop and like the next day they just focus on the physical body they're like how can I make my physical body feel good today so they eat a really nourishing grounding meal and you know they spend some time in nature or they spend some time doing some kind of physical movement that makes them feel good they take a really long nap you know they feel pleasure in their body like there's so many things that they did that day that tended to the physical vessel and then you know the next day when they return to their laptop the email is there right like like that that kind of shit is gonna happen in april like i mean i don't like to make these um i don't like to make um like really uh firm predictions because I I don't like to identify as a fortune teller but like if I could be so blunt (laughs) as to like make that prediction that (laughs) like if we invite more of that shit into our lives like I'm just gonna take a break and take a walk and take a lap I'm not gonna look at my goal I'm not gonna obsess about my manifestation or my goal or my desire it's still there and I still trust that spirit is taking care of it and I still trust that I'm putting energy towards it. I'm not completely, you know, abandoning it or anything, but I'm just going to like put the laptop screen down and tend to my body in exactly the way it needs. Like that is how we invite in the stuff this month. And it's really beautiful. Like, I'm getting such this beautiful feeling. And it's funny because it just occurred to me as I mentioned the word trust. um, Like, I trust that even if I close the laptop down, even if I put the phone down, delete Instagram off my phone for a couple days, even if I do take a break and eat lunch, you know, even if I pee when I need to pee, <laughs> I'm trusting, I'm trusting in spirit so much, you know, I'm trusting that the best and greatest and most aligned, aligned things are coming to me, I trust in that so much that I know that taking a break and tending to my vessel will not it, it will only improve the circumstance, right? Like, it, it, it would not, tending to the vessel does not sabotage the manifestation. That's what capitalism has taught us, right? But tending to the vessel in a spiritual sense can only bring more abundance to us. So it's such a beautiful message to come back to the vessel. And it's funny too, because like, as we, going back to this metaphor like of us being in this ship you know our ship (laughs) and we've been anchored very close to the shore we've been told 
it's time to stop, time to slow down, time to rest, retreat, do some internal work. We've all been doing that. Most of us have been doing that for at least the circle of souls that I'm speaking to today. We've all been kind of doing that in some way, shape, or form for about a year. Some of us may be feeling the call now to, again, lift the anchor back up and go back out to sea, you know, and use the vessel to move again. But we're scared, right? And again, monkey mind, lizard mind might say, we got to do X, Y, and Z, do this 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 to 100 before you even lift up that anchor. There's no way you can lift up that anchor and go back out there until this shit is all done. But it's like the minute we like start dancing and uh, hydrating and drinking a lot of water, it's like that anchor just like naturally breaks off. And our, ve- and our ship or our vessel just kind of takes off in this really gentle way. And it's, like, really beautiful. Yeah. And um, the other thing, the really strong thing that I was feeling, too, that I wanted to say. And this has been coming through, I'll admit, this has been coming through for myself. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I also feel like it's been kind of relevant in my client sessions lately too because you know there's this like fun thing that happens like if you're a healer like I am or if you're a therapist or a practitioner or whatever you know like when you're having a certain issue that issue becomes then the issues of the client you know and like like the client will bring that exact challenge that you're having within yourself to the session and like I feel like spirit just does this shit um so I think that's why I've been seeing it both in my life and other people's lives but this feeling of um you know I guess maybe I should phrase it as a question. What have you been holding yourself back from because you believe you are, quote unquote, not healed enough? <laughs> you know, because that's that's actually the shadow of the hermit and spending so much time in the hermit like we have during the Panini Press, during the Pandemonium. We've spent so much time in the hermit and hopefully we've, we've kind of felt the highest frequency of the hermit, which is like this internal quest and maybe we have dug up something that really needed to be dug up and maybe we have had some profound realization that has led us to shift ourselves internally and, you know, that and maybe we have done this internal uh exploration and gotten to know ourselves better and you know there's so many there's so much high frequency hermit energy that we can't we could have experienced in the past year Um, but I think sometimes the hermit has to know when it's time to leave the hermit the hermit has to know when it's time to leave and go into the wheel of fortune right and that's that's kind of like april in a way like we are the hermit leaving and going into the wheel of fortune the hermit has to know when the internal work becomes like an achilles heel 
in a way like and this is so me like there's a couple things I I, to be honest there's a couple things um in my in my internal world there's a couple places that I'm like I'm not healed enough to be that or I'm not yeah I'm not healed enough I have too many issues or I have too many (laughs) I, I yeah I've got too many issues in that area to actually be with to go down that road at this moment or like I'm not healed enough in order to do that like I have to give it another five years or ten years or whatever sometimes that's fair and sometimes that's legitimate right like I don't know like I could think of an example like if you've just gotten out of like a really uh tumultuous relationship and you know, you're going to say like, oh, I'm not healed enough. I, I want to heal before I date again. That's fair. That's totally fine. And if, if, if that's the place that you are in, have discernment enough to kind of, yeah, discern, discern what is right and what is wrong for you from this message. Okay. Only take what resonates. Um, but I have a feeling for some reason, I have a feeling that maybe a chunk of us, including me, <laughs> have kind of begun to began to use the um the I'm not healed enough as an excuse for not growing you know like and I think there's so many times again this is something that I've experienced and something that I've kind of shifted or I've been starting to shift and I've felt myself needing to shift for a while is sometimes we can come from the place when we go on the healing journey quote unquote I know that sounds like a little bit cringy but no other way to put it when we go on the healing journey I think there are so many times when we're actually doing it from a place of I'm broken I'm fucked up there's something wrong with me I'm not enough and I need to heal this and I'm not the first one to say that right um but I think true healing you know is is really just like all right how do I how do I return to who I truly am you know maybe there's been many things in this world that have taught me have conditioned me to think I'm broken I'm fucked up I need to fix this about me something is wrong with me let's meditate like the the codependency out of me because it's so fucked up and I'm broke you know like all of that shit um but then it's like no 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 you know healing is really just how can I get back to who I really am like from all of the ways that I've been conditioned to think something is wrong with me right um so when we are in a situation where we're holding ourselves back because we think I'm not healed enough for that. I think the root of that, you know, thought I'm not healed enough or I'm too fucked up to do that or I'm not good enough yet to do that. We're in, we're on the side of, you know, we're in the perspective of I'm healing from a place of I'm broken and I'm fucked up, right? 
but if we really want to be with this like uh more more of a healing that has that flavor of self-acceptance and has um has that frequency of self-trust and connection with the higher self healing isn't we're not doing it because we're fucked up like we're doing it because we're just trying to relocate who we are and there's no shame in that because okay it's april 1st it's fool's day what does the fool in the tarot teach us the fool teaches us that we all forget when we come to earth we literally come to earth to forget and to re-remember right so the healing journey is just the forgetting the re-remembering and the yeah the remembering of who you are and then we forget and we re-remember and we realize who we are it's 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 this flow of remembering and forgetting remembering and forgetting um it's not a flow of i'm fucked up i'm fixed i'm fucked up i'm fixed (laughs) you know like but how many of us are in that flow of i'm fucked up i need fixing i'm fucked up i need fixing um and uh and if we are and something like this past year um because again this is the shadow of the internal work the shadow of the internal work the hermit kind of stuff is i'm fucked up i need fixing i'm fucked up i need fixing um so there's this like portal kind of opening in april there's somewhere else that the physical body and the vessel would like to take you right there's there's this the ship is you know either the anchor is kind of breaking off the ship or we're pulling up the anchor and there's a new place to go now there's a new place to take off and arrive at Um, but in order to do that we have to focus on the health and vitality of our own you know bones muscles organs blood (laughs) brains hearts lungs feet hands like i can't i can't put enough emphasis on that like it's not the month to exactly focus on the details of this that and the other thing like you know, consider that the fastest, quickest, easiest way to your manifestation and your abundance is making yourself feel good first and foremost this month. And always. Maybe that's always. Maybe it's not just this month. And just noticing, taking some time this month to notice those voices that that may tell you, you're not healed enough or you're not good enough to have your ship leave the shore you know like you're not ready that's another thing you're you're not ready what if you are right what if you're at this moment you're so much more prof what if you're perfectly healed if you thought you were perfectly healed in this moment what would you be doing right (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like roasting myself with that question, truly. Like, I'm like, oh, fuck. I would be doing so much. I would be doing a lot more than maybe I'm doing right now. Or I would be, I would be taking more risks if I thought that I was quote unquote perfectly healed in this moment, right? Um, I would be, yeah, I would really be doing 
a couple things that I actually really want to do, right? Um, So what if, what if, like, what would you do this month if you believed that you were perfectly healed and that it was the right time? What, What would you start calling in? What would you be doing? And then let that be true. You know, let that be the truth of this month. Um, so those are kind of the vibes of April. And um, I'm thinking too about to kind of wrap up this month's sermon. I was thinking about, um, I did ask the cards for those of you who like when I do a little, do a little card pull. Um, but it's so funny because I was like, is there, is there some cards, uh, I asked Spirit, are there cards that can illuminate this message? And it was like, you know, when the cards can just be so literal, it, it was like that. So just, just for my tarot readers, I'm going to share what came out. Um, we have the Ace of Pentacles and the Ace of Wands were the two cards that came out. So we have two aces, <laughs> a.k.a., it, you know, let's... And we got the ace of pentacles and ace of wands out of all the aces. So it's like, it is time to return to the physical vessel. It's time to believe that there is newness. It's time to invite newness in. The portal is opening. You know, your ship is ready. You know. But then underneath, kind of like the shadow card is the two of swords, right? And, you know, I actually I actually love the two of swords. I know a lot of people don't for some reason. I think it has kind of a bad connotation. But I actually love the two of swords because it's just this moment where you can just kind of sit down on your bench. <laughs> just sit down on the park bench and just chill out and reconnect with yourself for a moment. Um, and really block out the world and really connect with what exactly it is that, you know, you're, you're feeling aligned with. But the reason we have this card, the two of swords, the reason we have this as our shadow is that it is time to leave the two of swords. We have already embraced this card. We've, we've, um this we've just what's that we've used this card to smithereens is that the phrase there's like some phrase (laughs) that I'm trying to think of that I'm getting wrong um but we've just like we got it we we actually have mastered the two of swords and now the challenge is to go from the two of swords into the aces which is the embracing of new beginnings planting new seeds believing that in this moment it is perfectly okay to move forward believing in this moment that you are more ready to move forward than you thought and um, also rethinking what is truly the best way to call in what I need next is it the obsession is it the over analysis is it the over-intellectualization that my monkey mind and my lizard mind is telling me to do? Or is the best way to call in the next step and call in the way forward 
you know, is it actually, does it actually exist in me caring for my vessel and my body, right? So I'm so excited to see where our, our ships take us, <laughs> our vessels take us in the month of April. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm feeling this, I, I'm feeling this message um, a lot and I'm, ex- I'm actually excited to embrace this message um, this month because it just feels right. So I hope this resonates with you, my friends. I was going to tell you, if you don't subscribe to Witch Church, do me a fave. If you liked, if you liked this episode, um, if you resonated, hit the subscribe. That, that helped me out a lot. And I'm going to take a quick break, wishing you all the abundance this month. And we'll be back in the next segment with another juicy Q&A. And we're back with the April Q&A. If you sent me a question, thank you so much for sending me a question. And thank you for trusting me to hold your question with care and compassion. And I will do my best to answer um, any inquiry in an aligned way. But for everybody listening, just know that I always come at these questions from a student's perspective and I try to give my best answer in this moment. And, you know, everybody has their own truth, though. So if uh, something I say in these Q&A sessions does not align with your truth, that is perfectly fine. And... I'm just here to to give my give my opinion, I guess, or just give my best uh, guidance. So, and as always, if um, if you have a question that pops into your head throughout the next month, and you would like me to answer it anonymously on the next Q and A, please feel free to DM or email it to me. Um, yeah. That's, that's about it, my friends. Let's get into the first question, which um, honestly kind of tripped me up <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I really had to think about this, but someone said, um, hey, Mal, I was wondering if you have any thoughts about what spirit or the universe is telling us when we do a spell that does not come to fruition. Obviously not talking about spells people do to become millionaires and they never actually practice witchcraft or the spiritual path, (laughs) but when you do consider yourself quite spiritual and have a connection to spirit and are engaged in this life and conduct a spell with intention and knowledge, but you get the opposite outcome you were hoping for, Um, what's your take on this? Is this your view? Um, In your view, is this just the case of life being unpredictable? Or do you think spirit is giving you a message? I don't expect spirit or my guides to be my fairy godmother and grant every wish. But this specific situation made me question whether to bother with spells at all anymore. That's really an interesting question. And I actually kind of had to like think back because I've said this before, but 
obviously identify I identify as a witch and um and uh but I um how do I put this spell work for me is actually kind of a rarity and again that might not vibe with some of the witches that are listening there are some witches that I truly respect that actually do spell work all the time because that's what connects them to their spiritual practice and stuff like that but for me uh I don't feel called to do spell work very often so my I guess my uh repertoire of (laughs) or I should say my statistics like if I would take everything every single spell that I've ever done and like see like oh did this come to fruition I don't have a lot of data to be working off of I'll put that out there (laughs) but I will say that um I have felt like I've never quite felt like my spell did not come to fruition but I will say that there was one very specific spell that I did do. I think it was around maybe the Taurus new moon of 2020, I believe that's when I did it. And I I felt like I put a lot of power and a lot of intention and a lot of, you know, hopes, my hopes and dreams and wishes into this certain spell um and it was something that's that was material it was something that I was hoping would materialize in the external plane and nothing really happened uh, after the spell and I was a little bit confused because I was like man I like I don't do spells a lot and when I do I put a lot of intention into them so I was like why isn't this why didn't this spell work? Like, is the universe trying to tell me something? Is the universe trying to tell me I'm on the wrong path? Etc. Etc. Now, with about a year, like removed from that moment, I can really see why the spell didn't work. <laughs> um, and it's only with the distance of time that I can see why. And it's because um, the thing that I was trying to manifest in the material world just wasn't ready for me and I wasn't ready for it and I think I was too early to that spell and I'm almost thinking about redoing that spell maybe come this Taurus uh Taurus new moon I think that would probably be in May maybe I'll redo that spell and I I intuitively feel like I'm much closer to that manifestation now and um and for me spells are just sort of metaphors of a manifestation or a spell is a metaphor of an internal process that I'm working through that's the other thing that's typically what my spells are right um but in this case this spell was very material and I usually don't do that kind of thing either so it was just really interesting um and yeah in retrospect I just see that it's not that the universe was telling me that I was on the wrong path. It's not that um, maybe even the thing that I want in the material world, I mean, I still want it and I still feel like I'm shooting my arrow towards it. So it's not that it wasn't aligned. 
It's just that the timing in which I did the spell was off. And now I see that it was my ego and not my soul that was sort of, um, how do I put this? Okay, it was my soul that was performing the spell and seeing the manifestation and feeling in alignment. But it was my ego that decided on the time in which I was doing the spell. (laughs) So there was like, it was like half aligned in the intention, but it was half misaligned with the timing. Okay. Um, So again, like, I I don't necessarily think uh, like that spell, quote unquote, didn't work. It just didn't work on my ego's time right? And we can't necessarily control when certain things come to fruition or not. And sometimes there's, again, in retrospect, I can see that there was so much that I had to work through internally that I can see why I wasn't even ready for that spell to be manifested in the first place, right? Um, So that's another thing. And I was thinking about your question um, yesterday and I usually uh, I, I consult with the I Ching every month to kind of get um, some kind of uh, like message for the month ahead for myself and um, this is coming from Hillary Barrett's uh, translation of the I Ching and this is from Hexagram 60 which is an I Ching that that is titled measuring and at the very end um uh i thought this this part of this uh this hexagram kind of applied to your question so the line is bitter measures consistency pitfall regrets vanish and the way hillary barrett translates this line is The truth of the situation will not fit into the rules, definitions, or stories you are trying to impose on it. Consistency is not possible with such bitter measures. To try to make it all work, regardless, means misfortune. Sooner or later, the bitter measures will prove unattainable, and the truth will reassert itself. Then regrets vanish, because what is not in accord with the truth was never real at all. Okay, isn't that, that's kind of, it's kind of a mindfuck, but I'm just going to read that first sentence again. I'll read the first and last sentence. The truth of the situation will not fit into the rules, definitions, or stories you are trying to impose on it. Uh, Regrets vanish because what is not in accord with the truth was never real at all. Okay. Um, So I, I felt like for some reason I read that and your question popped into my mind because I was like, wow, okay, if our spell work isn't in accordance with the truth of what reality is showing us at the moment, it won't, it won't necessarily come to fruition, right? Because at the end of the day, um, the truth, the truth, the true soul spirit frequency of truth will not fit into your ego's agenda, 
Right. So in a very gentle way, I guess my my answer to this question would be like, it was probably a timing thing. It might have been a timing thing or it might have been a half aligned with soul, half aligned with ego kind of thing. Um, sometimes I find that spells that are so materially focused aren't the best. And that's why I prefer to do spell work in the mindset of this spell is a metaphor for my internal world or my internal landscape. So I hope that helped in some way. I don't think I completely answered your question, but hopefully that gives you some things to think about when it comes to this spell that you cast, okay? And someone also asked, what do you think of the Myers-Briggs personality test? Um, that the Myers-Briggs personality t- test was a stepping stone to astrology, and I was obsessed with it for almost a year. I've seen a lot of criticism of it within the astro- astrological circles for various reasons, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know, some people think that Actually, I don't know if, I think this is actually, might be a, um, I think it's a fact that um, Myers-Briggs was um, created from, like, astrological knowledge. So, like, it's partially, um, it's partially based off of, like, the archetypes of the Zodiac, but nobody knows it, or, like, that somehow been lost. I could be wrong on that, but there's something about, the foundation of the Myers-Briggs personality test that can be traced back to the wisdom of astrology so it's it's kind of interesting and I have heard that other astrologers not necessarily me but I've seen other astrologers say that like Myers-Briggs the Myers-Briggs personality test is kind of like watered down quote-unquote palatable astrology right so it's like astrology for muggles or it's like you know (laughs) like it's like okay like you know it's foolish to say you're a Virgo you're a Pisces but it's somehow societally acceptable to be like oh yeah I'm an ENFP or whatever um so we can kind of see how Myers-Briggs um yeah, is, is for whatever reason, like, a little bit more societally acceptable and less woo-woo than some of the other more um, ancient esoteric wisdom um, practices, right? Now, on a very personal level, um, I, and again, you if you, if you, if you love your Myers-Briggs personality test and it has given you um, some kind of self-knowledge. I'm all for that. For me, it's just not, it doesn't float my goat. It doesn't, it doesn't like, uh, you know, resonate that much. Well, here's what I should say. It's not that it doesn't resonate. It's not that my Myers-Briggs personality does not resonate. It's just that I think the fundamental problem with the Myers-Briggs is that it is you it's subjective, right? It's you taking a subjective test um, to kind of uh, analyze who you are, right? Whereas astrology, it's not to say astrology is objective, right? Because astrology, uh, an astrology reading is through the subjective lens 
of the reader who's reading you, right? Um, but there's something about um, astrology that's sometimes, I think when we have a good reading, astrology is able to give us like a perspective of ourselves outside of ourselves. And we can also get this phenomenon in something like therapy. You know, all the time in therapy, I feel like my therapist gives me a perspective of myself outside of myself that helps me, right? And that's the problem, I think, with Myers-Briggs. It's such, um, it's a system where you are individually grading your own personality. And sometimes we are so, we see ourselves so subjectively in this certain way well of course you're going to identify with the results of your Myers-Briggs test right because (laughs) because you were the one who literally just filled it out and said yeah I'm an introvert I hate people or what I mean that's not actually a question but um you get the picture something I also feel like um that kind of proves my point is that in high school I took the Myers-Briggs test and I think I scored as an INFJ Um, but after around college or maybe even after college I took the Myers-Briggs test and I scored as an INFP so I had gone from an INFJ to an INFP why is that it's because my subjective view of myself had changed right like in high school no shit I I um, came out as an INF or an INFJ or an INTJ, an INFJ, an INFJ, Um, because like I was like an emo, (laughs) not saying, but I was like an emo, um, you know, just like hated my life in high school and thought I was like the most uniquely suffering person ever right so like and again I'm not saying this is true for all um um INFJs at all but like I could see how my brain chemistry at the time would have answered those questions like I did right and then after college you know becoming more of myself being an INFP I can also see why I at that time would have results my results came as an INFP um, the other problem I have with IN, uh, with the Myers-Briggs is that, um, I'm Googling this right now. What's the rare, okay, so I thought, that's what I thought. So I would just, I just Googled what is the rarest Myers-Briggs personality, and it's INFJ, and that's how I, that's what the test told me I was in high school. Okay, so... Again, no offense. <laughs> the INFJs are like going to stop listening to this. And that's the worst part. What I'm about to say, like everybody I know is an INFJ. Like, ev- like, it, like, and granted, the people I hang out with are like anti-capitalist tarot readers. Or like the people I talk to the most <laughs> are like anti-capitalist tarot readers who... Um, <laughs> like are into astrology and like into meditation and stuff like that and even if they're not um even if they're not into tarot or astrology maybe there's still something about them that is kind of like unique 
And I think that um, that's why that's like that's kind of what tips me off to feeling like I don't buy into the Myers-Briggs because if INFJ is the rarest um, personality, then why does everybody I know say that they're an INFJ? And again, people are going to get mad at me, but I can see that um, when people do say they're INFJs, I can see that there's like a little bit of like a pride in that. Like, oh yeah, like I'm the rarest. <laughs> like I'm the rarest Myers-Briggs. I'm unique. Like I'm special. And don't we all love to feel like we're special as um, as uh, people, right? So I think there is some kind of like ego involvement with the test. Um, like, okay, I'm gonna... I don't think we consciously think this, but I think there's some kind of ego satisfaction in scoring an INFJ on this test and and getting that satisfaction of like, oh, I'm unique. Nobody understands me. You know, I just don't fit in with this world. (laughs) By the way, I'm the fucking queen of this. So don't think don't think I'm making fun of you. Like I I this is like part of my shadow as well. So um yeah, that's what I'll have to I, that's what I have to say about that and again not to shit on the Myers-Briggs if if you find it to be helpful um uh, more power to you and I'm sure there's a lot of subtle nuances that I don't completely understand because I am not a Myers-Briggs expert and obviously I have many biases to astrology um, as a as an esoteric system and spiritual practice because astrology is my passion so of course I would give an answer like I just did <laughs> um, so yeah get, get another perspective if if that does not resonate okay so someone asked uh, when you hear spirit is it in your own voice or someone else's this is a tough question. I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like it's kind of both. Um, and here's the thing. This is what I try to explain. Um, there's a part of my tarot course at the end when we when we talk about maybe different ways our intuition can come through. Um, so we talk about the clairs. You may be familiar. Like if you're clairaudient, you hear your messages. Clairvoyant, you see your messages. Um clairsentient you feel your messages claircognizance is more of like a knowing and honestly I've I've felt intuitive messages come through in all of those ways and this is something that Heather um from episode 55 it's a 55 no it's not 55 it's back in the 50s um when Heather my friend who's an Ayurvedic counselor um her, her and I talk a lot about how like our clairs have changed over time and there's certain messages that come through through hearing or through seeing or through feeling and there's a reason for that and there's certain clients where I feel a lot more clairvoyant and visual and I'm like I'm receiving a lot of images for one client but then the next client I'm not getting as much in that way and it's a little bit more of a clairaudient kind of feeling um so long story short it sounds like the person who's asking this when you hear spirit is it in your own voice or someone else's 
maybe you do have a little bit of that clear audience ability within your own intuitive gifts, right? And when we're clear audience, I find it that um, very few clear audience people have told me that it sounds like like headphones playing music in your ear. Like when I hear something, like when I hear a phrase, um, it's almost coming from like, uh, yeah, like a mix of, of my higher self and spirit. It's like that voiceless voice. It's like somehow it's like the soundless sound. I, that's how I can explain it. It's almost like a, um, a paradox. Um, I hear something, but it is silent. Like, again, that's not a good, um, that's not a good answer to your question, but also I think we think when an intuitive person says, oh, I heard this for you, or, you know, I, I, yeah, I heard this from you, like, we think, is it like a booming voice in their ear? And at least for my personal experience, it is not that at all. It's like very, very quiet, actually, and that's something I'll say a lot to tarot students or even people who are wanting some like more intuitive some guidance about how to become more intuitive or or connect to their intuition more I always say like you know sometimes we are our own worst enemy because we want intuition to be this magical Again, I say this a lot. I say it, I've now overused this example, but we want intuition to be this magical parrot riding down from the sky with this little message. It's going to land on our shoulder and it's going to be like, caca, caca, and it's going to give us this like magical thing. And intuition, in my experience, is not like that. Like, it's very soft, it's very gentle, it's very quiet. I mean, don't get me wrong like maybe like 10% of the time like there's a very strong message that just come kind of comes in and hits you but most of the time it's a very quiet thing so don't doubt yourself if you feel like your messages come in subtly because mine do too okay um okay the next two questions I'm going to kind of answer together so one person said how do you shield protect your energy during your readings or in public okay and then another person said I'm curious about your energetic practice what do you suggest when you encounter energetic vampires or someone you can literally feel draining all your energy I always forget about boundaries until it is too late okay so maybe just a general umbrella question of what's my philosophy on (laughs) shielding quote-unquote protecting my energy against quote-unquote energy vampires um and how do I prepare you know to protect my my energy when I'm reading for people um for me this was a huge massive conundrum uh, within like the first year and a half of being a professional reader, especially when I was still working in person, which I'm not anymore. My entire practice is virtual now. So 
um, and I'm a lot energetically happier <laughs> being uh, being virtual. But when I was when I was working in person, and again, like a very naive beginning reader who really had no experience and with energy at all and I really didn't know much about like shielding or protecting or whatever and so many people did tell me like you know you have to shield like so imagining uh, like literally an energetic shield in front of you and um and you need to protect your energy and it just made me feel so anxious and it made me feel like like something was wrong with me and because I am more sensitive and empathic and um yeah just sensitive to other people's energies like well great like not only am I sensitive to the despair of the world but now you're telling me I have to like do this extra shielding protecting hullabaloo every day like that's that's a lot for me so I just found it to be kind of uh disempowering I will say and um and I'll just shout out really quick um uh Rebecca Garifo from the Empaths Alchemy podcast because Becca was the first one who I kind of heard speaking this like into existence like I thought I was the only one thinking this but Becca on her podcast talks a lot about how the whole shielding thing feels disempowering to her as well and with that with so many intuitives practitioners psychics even like my therapist sometimes tells me like you need a shield you need to protect like um with so many people like speaking that truth at me and it not resonating I had to go through my own journey with figuring out how to have my own energetic boundaries that work for me and what I have found is that again for me if shielding and protecting feels empowering for you please continue um but for me um what actually ended up being the most energetically healthy thing to do for this highly sensitive, extremely empathic triple water sign is a very good, diligent grounding practice. If I am grounded, um, energy vampires can't can't drain my energy like if I am grounded I don't feel the need to protect because someone else's energy is going to be quote-unquote dangerous or draining and I realized that the reason um, why I think my my work especially as a reader truly did drain me to I mean, my health was suffering because I was so drained and I didn't know what the correct energetic boundaries were in my first year of being a reader. Um, And yeah, yeah, my health was suffering. and And I realized part of that, it wasn't necessarily because I was failing to protect or shield. It's because I, I was the fucking most ungrounded person ever. I mean, one of them. <laughs> 
you can't just go into a tarot reading and be like, woo, like I am out of my body and I haven't eaten all day and I'm not hydrated and um, I hate being in my body, but I'm just going to like read for 10 people today. I mean, you're going to feel like high, <laughs> like you, you're going to like, you're just going to like leave your body. And I think that was the realization I had to have. Like, um, like I cannot go into a reading now um like it's like a strict thing that I have within myself like I need to be well fed I need to be hydrated and I need to have spent time outside during that day and if you have a reading with me pretty much you can be assured that I am I'm coming to that reading at this point in my practice like very grounded and very nourished within myself and when I do that um, it does not matter the um, the amount of uh, maybe sadness or or a challenge that a client is bringing me. Maybe a chat. Maybe a client is um, needing to come to a, a session to cry, or you know, maybe a client is coming to a session to discuss something traumatic. And I and I, when I am grounded, I can hold that no problem like and um when I am not grounded that stuff will drain me right so for me again it's not about shielding and protecting during a reading and walking around fearing energy vampires and fearing that people are going to drain my energy it's about me being embodied in my own vessel, you know, to quote the first part of this, um, this, uh, this episode. Yeah, it's like me coming to the session in an empowered, grounded way. And I'll tell you, um, it's so funny because sessions aside, let's say like this is just in regular day life, I do have someone who's an energy vampire who I, um, you know, they're, they're an unconscious energy vampire. I don't think they're, tr- they're not trying to be like this. It just is what it is. And I, I live in very close proximity with them and I'm being vague for a reason. Um, but I, um, they were having like a particularly really bad day yesterday. Um, and I knew, <laughs> like, I knew I'm like, fuck, like, Ugh, like I can feel it like I can feel this happening so I was like I need to go and like do the best job of grounding myself I've ever done <laughs> so uh yesterday I went to the forest um and I was just like vibing to like my favorite music and I was picking up litter from the hikers that just drop their shit all over the place I picked up like five plastic water bottles and like three cans and there was like this balloon and there's all this plastic garbage shit and I was just like picking it up and I was just vibing and I swear to you like being in the forest and trying to like pick up litter what it was doing is it was getting me in like my relaxed nervous system state and it was bringing me back to what it was like as like to be like a hunter gatherer and it was really getting me in like my human (laughs) animalistic body and I just was like guys I was so fucking grounded I even said like 
I didn't even realize this was happening while I was doing it. It just was like, this was the process. And when I got back to my car after like an hour of doing this, I was like, man, like nothing can fucking touch me. Like nothing. Like I am so embodied right now and I'm going to go back and I'm probably going to see this quote unquote energy vampire and, um, and they're still going to be having their bad day. But I mean, I'm, I'm vibing like (laughs) so I hope that helps someone um again that won't resonate for everybody but for me it's really about the grounding and one more thing one of my clients brought this up to me yesterday she was like you know sometimes I just don't have time to go outside or you know there are some people who like don't have time to like go outside barefoot and like howl under the moon every day and like (laughs) and I was like I agree with you and she was like yeah and I realized like you know, me just taking care of my house plants and like tending to my house plants every day is like that grounding moment for me. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's that's juicy. I'm gonna tell that to the the podcast peeps because there are so many ways to ground that are that don't take what I did yesterday, which was going into a forest for an hour and picking up litter. Like you could tend to your house plants eating and drinking water are huge grounding practices um you know it's um and it's really for me it's eating something hot um eating something that's heavy like uh like potato like something that came from the ground root vegetables potatoes beets carrots parsnips things like that when you eat those things you f- you're more grounded um so yeah weird weird tidbit but that's what I'll that's what I'll say for those two questions about energetic management um someone asked what advice would you give me to better my communication with my spirit team I would say I'm going to refer to a quote that I have quoted so much on this podcast uh but that would be um from women who run with the wolves uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes says intuition sharpens with constant practice. So if you are wanting to connect with your spirit guides, your spirit team, or just your higher self, whatever you want to call them, um, make it a daily ritual, even if it's for literally one minute before you get out of the car to go into work or whatever, um, make it a daily ritual to just like put up your energetic flag and be like, hey, spirit team like I'm available I'm connecting with you I'm available to be communicating with you I think that tarot is one of the fastest ways to develop your intuition but you don't have to be a tarot reader or use the tarot to have intuition right so um, intuition is truly like a very natural thing once we get into the habit of connecting so part of it is really just developing a ritual or a habit around it and again it could be a one minute thing like doesn't have to be this huge 30 minute meditation session with crystals and incense right um and I'll just plug my one of my early I mean one of my very early some of my very early episodes I did um the women who run with the wolves like book club so I know there's a lot of tidbits in there about developing intuition connecting with your guides and 
um, also the things in this world that may kind of lead us away from our intuition. And even if you don't want to listen to me talk about Women Who Run With the Wolves, that's just an amazing book um, that I'll never get sick of. So, okay. Last question is a juicy one. Do you have any advice on healing mother, father, parent, mother slash father slash parent ancestral wounds? Um, So I'll actually, I don't really feel right now called to speak to healing ancestral wounds, but I will speak to, um, I'll I'll speak to healing mother-father wounds for a second. Uh, And this is, this is very much coming from a place of someone who is in the, in the deep thick of, of healing mother, father wounds. So please by in no way, shape or form, take this as an expert opinion or the opinion of a therapist or, um, whatever. Uh, but here's what I, what I'm thinking lately. One time I heard someone give this advice to someone about their romantic relationship. Like this person was having trouble with their partner and um, and another person told them, hey, don't go to the problem for the solution. And I was like, okay, eh, I don't know about that. Um, like, but maybe there are times in r- romantic relationships where like we're having a problem with our partner So I guess it doesn't sometimes make sense to march up to them and say, all right, how are we going to fix this problem that you're causing, right? Like (laughs) sometimes you need an outside perspective to give you perspective so you can go back to the partnership and and be able to kind of see it from a new light, right? Um, Granted, I think that phrase, don't go to the problem for the solution, at least for me, feels much more relevant when it comes to mommy-daddy issues. Every time, at least at this point with my healing, every time I'm tempted to go to, um, like, a, my parents um, for, like, some kind of, like, resolution or... Um, whatever what it ends up doing is it ends up just like (laughs) this sounds I don't I don't mean for this to be like sad like (laughs) but it kind of what I'm about to say sounds kind of sad but um but I mean I mean to keep it lighthearted here but sometimes it just further um uh, going yeah going to a parent going to one of my parents and trying to resolve something with them further drills in the neural pathway that neither of them are giving me what I need. Okay, so instead of continuing to drill that neural pathway in, which is, you know, neither my neither of my parents are giving me what I need emotionally and never have and may never will. Um, it's possible that that will never happen and that's something that I kind of have to accept. Um, But I am able to, with that problem, quote unquote, that challenge, quote unquote, I'm not getting the emotional fulfillment or I'm not being emotionally met by my caretakers. Um, I can actually 
find a solution to that problem other places. Okay, so if I can't get my emotional needs met through my caretakers, um, I can go to my therapist. Once I had an herbalist tell me that she finds the mother in many different things, like she has older women that she considers mother figures, and she has herbs that she considers her mother, and there's a specific part in nature that she considers her mother. Like, she's been able, the way she's healed, she told me, is she's been able to find other avenues of mother in other places, and I think that can be such good guidance when it comes to mommy-daddy issues. Like, how can we find this, um, in another aligned place. And I'm not saying go up to some random person and project all of your garbage onto them, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm definitely not saying, you know, I think sometimes we search for this stuff in like romantic relationships and it gets toxic. I mean, who hasn't, who hasn't projected mommy daddy issues onto, <laughs> onto a romantic partner, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying find safe places that can provide you with emotional safety where you can be vulnerable and safe and honest and have those things be received and just start trying or I guess just start kind of calling in secure attachment other places. I have found in doing that for myself finding a lot of people, a therapist, maybe a couple people who can kind of act as um, like, uh, I don't want to say parental figures, but people who can kind of act for me as like mentors or inspirations or just like older friends that I can feel close to. Um, you know, in finding that, that emotional support and finding secure attachment elsewhere, it's so funny because then with my own parents, I don't feel as emotionally charged. <laughs> like, it's so weird. It's like, it's like the minute I stop um, trying to like get something out of them that they can't give me. And again, they're not bad people. There's, there's huge traumatic reasons, hugely traumatic reasons why, you know, my parents in a lot of ways can't emotionally meet me and that's okay. Um, but it's like, it's like the minute I stop trying to get that shit out of them and I, and I start to fulfill it for myself and I not only start to find secure attachment in like friends, my therapist, other people like guides, mentors, but I also start to be my own parent. Again, um, the resentment, the anger, the grief, um, the, uh, for me, I, like, do a lot of, like, uh, fantasizing of, like, fights and screaming at my parents and all of this shit, like, and I get in, like, really bad mental spaces with that, and that, all that stuff, like, just simmers down, you know, so that's, that's kind of been my journey, I hope something in that helped you, I've said this a million times at this point, I'm probably being annoying, you guys are like, shut up, Mel, like, we know, but, um, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Um, that's just been what I have found works for my journey. Like the, the less, um, the less, uh, needy, emotional resentment, anger, 
um, pointing fingers, retribution, punishing energy that I can carry, the better. And the more my relationships with my parents gets better when I find that secure attachment elsewhere. Okay. It's probably not the right advice for everybody. I'll just put that out there. And I'm also not saying that we should never confront things with our parents. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I guess all I'm saying is that at this point, I neither me or my parents are not in the place to confront anything. And I honor that moment. And I'm trying to figure out what is best to do in this moment. Right. So um, that's what I've got. <laughs> Whew. All right. Um, my friends, lots of love to you. I hope this episode um, reaches your heart in some way. It was recorded with love. I'm wishing you a wonderful rest of airy season and also a wonderful Taurus season. I'll see you next time for the next interview, which I'll leave as a surprise, but I think you'll really like it. Thank you so much for the interview love. Um, It makes me happy when you also like the guests I bring on because I really think deeply about who I want to bring on and who would inspire you. And yeah, so so thanks for being excited. And um, my friends, I will talk to you next episode.